All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our weekly discussion. This is our audio podcast where we talk everything in the world of movies and television. My name is Mike, and like always, I'm here with the movie brothers, Richard <laughs> and Raymond. No, no, no. Mm. Not none of the movie brothers. Uh, this is our... Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so this is a podcast where we talk about movies and television. In this episode, we're going to just have a loose discussion of the things we read, and most likely... Most of it's going to be talking about the things we watched. Uh, but, um, Rich, you wanted to talk about CinemaCon really quick? Sure. I mean, so, what, so what... CinemaCon is this big convention where they sell movies to theater owners and it, and it has these big kind of openings. And so, what are some of the big highlights of Cinem- CinemaCon this, this, this past couple? What was it? That was like last week. Mm hmm. Well, the the biggest event that I think they, they had was they screened the entire movie of The Flash, mm-hmm. and that had uh, pretty strong reviews, and I, I can't wait to uh, fi- watch that. I mean, it's the hype is real on that one, and then and it seems like uh, everyone enjoyed it, and it's it's it was worth holding back all this time. Everyone except uh, Jeff Snyder. Oh really? Did he did he uh, bash it? I, I didn't hear. I didn't hear that. He says the uh, the first half of the movie is incredible, and then the second half of the movie is uh, just fan service nonsense, and they hated it. <laughs> well, he's not a comic book he's still, guy. He's the only per- he's the only person saying that though. Right, right. I don't know. He's he's kind of like what you call a provocateur or someone who wants to go against the grain. So he likes to like be that one guy on the other side of the fence, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I heard good things about it. It had a good reaction by people who saw the movie and, you know, it's been leading up to this point, a lot of good buzz, despite the controversy surrounding Ezra Miller. Uh, and also, you know, all the kind of really rough stuff that's going around, uh, Warner brothers, but yeah, this is, might be their one movie that they need right now. And it hopefully be a, like a, a big blockbuster. Uh, uh, extra- extravaganza. Um, what, is but, there anything else you want to talk about from CinemaCon, Rich? Well, I'm just uh, amazed that the show itself got so huge. Uh, there was, you know, it, it, it started it's, off. It's with, like the new cine, It's like the new Comic Con. No, it got. It's even bigger than Comic Con. I mean, if you could get Martin Scorsese to show up, I mean, Did he show uh, up. Yeah, and he got an award too. But I don't know if that helped. But you got Oprah. Coming out? I mean, Jesus. I know Denzel Washington got an award. Right. And they showed, and they showed the trailer, which is out now, the uh, um, Equalizer 3. Right. And, um, you know, it was just, I, you know, I, I was totally expecting, you know, the, the regular, um, sh- you know, opening, you know, like, you know, Margot Robbie for Barbie and all that. And Well, I think because the, the pandemic had hurt the, the theater business so much that now the cinema con has become this almost important thing that, that, that people need to promote and, mm-hmm. and secure. And, you know, I, I think they're, that's why all these big names are coming to the, to the show and supporting this, the theater is, owners and stuff like that. But this is the, 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 basically the second cinema con that big stars actually showed up. I remember the, the cinema con was just basically where they, Unveiled new posters, new po- and, movie posters, and popcorn like. machines, yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> and the new know, like I mean, uh, like popcorn uh, baskets and and designs yeah. and like soda pop machines and stuff. It, it was all kind of like concerning like what to put in your movie theater. Rather, I mean, than, they did they did promote. I mean, there was some you know the suits came out basically right. just to promote stuff like I mean, but they they, they unveiled 
maybe a couple trailers, you know. To, yeah. Um, yeah, but still, I mean, this is. It wasn't like last last year they film, they screen um, Ghostbusters for the uh, and you know yeah it's it's a big it's a big deal it's a big uh, event and it's it's uh, is it still it's not available to the public right this is just only invite uh, invitation only I think if you have no. the money you could go right yeah it's expensive, you, though. you could you could pay for tickets but you got to be some kind of affiliation with some kind of media group mm. um uh, but basically it's money <laughs> I mean, you could you could pay to get your ticket if you want. Mm. If you want to spend that much, um, but yeah, it, it, uh, uh, it the thing just got huge. I mean, it it, it beat D twenty three, I think, by a mile. Yeah, because D twenty three is only Disney films, and this is you're, you're talking about the whole industry. You're talking about the whole movie yeah. industry, and so each day, I mean, it's four days total, and each day, you know, there's a big studio in there. They they're selling their 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 slate of new movies so it's mm -hmm. yeah yeah is there anything that that you read that, that you want to talk about before we move on no i mean uh it's just the the basic stuff the first looks of like you know martin scorsese's new film and uh what was what were the big surprises i'm not sure i, I wasn't paying attention it was just a flash <laughs> <laughs> um they they showed uh some uh mission impossible some like ten minutes or whatever. Uh, really, Scott has a new movie called Napoleon, and they they showed like right. uh, footage of that. I think they showed. Oh, yeah, people said that was weird, Greg, because like uh, Joaquin isn't doing the accent, and he's tall. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess they showed uh, footage of Oppenheimer, which is the new Christopher Nolan movie. Did they show Dune too? Some footage of Dune too? Right, they did do uh, mm -hmm. like a a feature or something like that, and. Yeah, because everyone's saying Austin Butler is like bald in the movie. Mm -hmm. it looks super weird. <laughs> is Austin Butler going to be? Was, wait, wait. Is Austin Butler going to be our next big movie star, or is it going to be like a Timothy Chalamet, someone who only is like? You know. I think he has more. <laughs> I think he has more potential than Timothy Chalamet because I think Timothy Chalamet. Um, I, I think he's more of like an artsy. Right, he, I think he appeals more to like an artsy audience. Yeah, I think Austin Butler, like he's 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 like a he's done a lot of teen shows and stuff. I think he he's in the place where if he were to do like a lot of these roles that Timothy Chalamet does, I think people would actually go see Austin Butler in them. Like maybe that uh that movie that that Timothy Chalamet did last year about the cannibals and stuff. Maybe that would have actually been successful if um if Austin Butler was in it. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think Austin Butler is like the new Brad Pitt, and Timothy Chalamet is probably like the new um, Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> because he's so tiny. <laughs> no, I heard. I actually heard a good a comparison about, about Austin Butler. There, people are saying that he is the next Ryan Gosling. I think that's oh, pretty no. fair. I think that's oh, pretty fair. Oh, oh, yeah. The um, Butler. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and Timothy Chalamet is more like the next um, Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> maybe like Ethan Hawk or just, I don't know um, alright let's get to the next uh, topic is, is there anything uh, Raymond did you hear anything did you read anything that you want to talk about really quick um, I'm sure I did but I don't remember okay well t t you know let's just get into the, some of the movies we watched and then Raymond you saw actually a, a 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, just really quickly, give you your thoughts. Don't spoil too much of the movie. because I'll, ha- spoil, all, I'll <laughs> spoil all the, the whole movie. Give us a little bit of a taste of what you thought of the movie. I was watching it there with, 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 all, uh, with all the critics. With, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, where, where did you see this? With, uh, where did you, saw, with, you uh, saw this? In the, with, uh, with, with Papa Iger. <laughs> <laughs> did you really? <laughs> No, no, oh. I just because I, I, uh, John Campia was there and uh, at the at the screening. Oh, this was the uh, Spectrum, right? The Spectrum in Irvine, California. Yeah, the Spectrum. Yeah. And this was a, a one week uh, preview or a sneak preview, or a one, week before the, one, yeah, the the week before it was released. And yeah, so, it was just like a fan a fan event um, uh, at at the at the yeah at the Irvine IMAX and. Um, I, I I wasn't even going to go originally because usually like when they do these type of screenings they overbook them. Mm-hmm. So like when it's like a big Marvel movie and stuff like that, you kind of have to arrive early because the the seats run out. And I like I I wasn't even going to go because I didn't want to wait in line. But I showed up thirty minutes before the movie started, just like oh, let's let's just see what happens, right? And uh, surprisingly, there was still a line, and it, it didn't seem very long. It turned out it wasn't very long because they were just they were letting people into the theater like in groups. Mm-hmm. But when like once I got in the theater, I mean, I mean, I was in a pretty good spot. I mean, I I was surprised, and they, and even like once the movie began, like there were still a couple empty seats. So I I, I don't know what happened, man. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I mean, I've gone to these like early screenings in the past for even like Adam Sandler movies, and like yeah, people will show up hours early, and I don't understand why you know at. At a very popular theater for a very popular movie, you know, it didn't, it didn't, you know, they didn't fill every seat, but whatever. <laughs> the The movie, though, I thought was really, really good. I, I have been really disappointed by everything Marvel has put out. I guess like since Endgame, even Spider Man No Way Home, the movie that the one movie that most people kind of seem to give a pass to and say it's like the the, the good Marvel movie to come out uh, since Endgame. I don't even think that movie's very good. I think that movie has a lot of lot of issues. It has a lot of great fan service, but uh, story-wise, it's just not a very good movie. Uh, Guardians Volume 3 was really the movie I was hoping would be the big return for Marvel, and the big part just because it's it's James Gunn, right? And uh, he's he's like one of the few filmmakers at Marvel that's really given freedom to do what he wants. And that was exciting. It was exciting to see his, his return to these characters. And um, the movie for me didn't disappoint. Uh, the funny thing, though, is that I think the movie actually has a lot of flaws. I think there's a lot of things about the movie that bothered me. And I think in many ways of the three Guardians, it's the most flawed of the three. But it's also the one that took the most risks. And because it took the most risks is the of the three Guardians, it's the Guardians film that feels the least like a Marvel movie. It's the one that feels least like an MCU movie. And it's the one that feels most like a James Gunn movie. And all of those things are very positive for me. Uh, one of the, I think, you know, a big part of what makes this movie very special is that the main, pretty much the main storyline is, is rocket. It's uh, his, it's his, uh, his background, his, uh, his creation and all that. And, uh, we we knew that was going to be like the focal point of the movie going in, like based off the marketing and just interviews with James Gunn. But I wasn't expecting it to be literally half the movie. And um, and I, again, this stuff for me just was really effective because it, it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like James Gunn and Marvel's version of like 
the island of Dr. Moreau or Watership Down. And if, if you're kind of familiar with uh, James Gunn's work, it, it's just a perfect fit for him. And he, and, and he uses the storyline to kind of wrap up everything perfectly. And even like uh, story arcs that were set up in the first Guardians that felt like they were kind of ignored in volume two kind of wrap up in this one. It, it, it all goes full, full circle in this movie. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I had a great time with it despite the flaws. Uh, it's, yeah, again, easily the best Marvel movie since Endgame. And, um, and uh, yeah, I think the Guardians movies are easily the best trilogy of the, of the Marvel movies also. Now that, now that it's a full trilogy, I think yeah, this is probably the best trilogy they put out. And yeah, uh, thumbs up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, so it's definitely it's, one of your, your favorite your favorite trilogies. Well, of the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I wouldn't say it's like one of my favorite trilogies in general. But it, oh, wow. you know, the, the, this is this is this isn't the criticism of like the Guardians movies or of James Gunn. But I hate that the Guardians movies had to have been tied to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because. And many, and this is kind of a criticism in a way, but Guardians Volume Three, like I love the movie, but it feels like it should have been Guardians Volume Five, because like you know, if you watch Volume One and Two, it feels like the 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 wrap up or you know the the bow for this trilogy should have been something you know revolving around uh, Star Lord and Gamora, mm. but because of the events of Infinity War and Endgame, it's like you you kind of just have to pretend that you know. They they got they had their happy ending and then maybe a Guardians Volume Four came out and she died and, <laughs> and now and now the, the, uh, I don't know it's just it's just weird because it feels like there's a kind of a mi- some missing chapters or whatever but mm-hmm. but James Gunn makes it work for for you know the obstacles he kind of has to work around he he makes the movie the best that it could be okay you're you're a huge uh, physical media collector have you. Have you collected the last couple Phase Four uh, movies? Honestly, uh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I, I bought I bought uh, I bought I bought Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah. Oh, okay. Quantumania. But it's not out. Oh, it's not out yet. No. Oh, wow. Okay. So okay. So you're you're definitely gonna buy this first day then. I mean, yeah, but I mean, for, for the Marvel movies, it's it's not. This isn't. Even, this is even. This has nothing to do even with like the quality of the Marvel movies. It's more of a Disney thing, but there's kind of no point in even buying the Marvel Blu-rays anymore because you can watch them in better quality on Disney Plus. Right, right. So, plus all the bonus features are on Disney Plus. So, you're really just buying them for the packaging. Um, yeah, yeah, the steelbooks. Yeah, so for me, the 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 Marvel movies are are ones that in any moment I could end up putting up on eBay because. They're on Disney Plus. They're on Disney Plus in better and higher quality. I'm still buying the steel books, but I mean, they're just taking up space, really. <laughs> uh, and again, it's not. It's nothing against the movies. It's more. It's it's Disney, you know. Because yeah. I, I I I I like buying my movies because, uh, well, I like owning them and I like having the the best qual the best quality version of them. But also because for the longest time it's like you know these movies weren't always on streaming services and you know owning the physical media was kind of like the guaranteed way but disney plus kind of they for some for whatever reason they made disney plus like the definitive version of of 
to watch the the definitive version to watch these movies. I don't know. It's it's they they kill physical media. They kill their own physical media. Disney. Mm. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, to to go back to the Guardians of the Galaxy, I always thought the first you know Volume One is probably my favorite MCU movie. Uh, uh, because it's such a rewatchable type of film. You could go back and whatever point it's playing, you could like really enjoy that film. It's, a, it's just like a terrific, fun little movie that uh, I don't know if people give it a little, doesn't give it enough credit. No, I think they do. They do? You think so? Because it, yeah. it's, yeah. Cause they always like rank the other kind of films. They always, they always rank the ones that, you know, Iron Man or something like that. But I think Guardians of the Galaxy should be like up there really high in the on that list of, you know, great Marvel movies. But whenever I think, it time, I think it's like it is in the top three for most people. Is it? Because mm-hmm. I always hear like Iron Man, the first Iron Man, I always hear uh the Captain Marvel. Or I mean I'm sorry. The <laughs> Captain Captain, Captain America of of uh the one with Civil War. I always hear mm-hmm. that and um Endgame, I guess. And I don't know. I just always I always enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy Galaxy Volume One. It's a it's a really fun little movie that it doesn't really have to connect with the MCU because it's it's its own universe and maybe that's why it works so well as a kind of really great sci-fi uh action piece um yeah so well, anyway so but I, let me let me get back to let me go back to guardians really uh really quick cuz I, I i i do have to say that i do, do think the movie has a lot of flaws and i think i brought that up that the movie has flaws the good outweighs the bad but let mm-hmm. me talk a little bit about the flaws okay because I think the movie is very ambitious. It's the movie so ambitious that um, the screenplay kind of suffers. The screenplay suffers because, um, I mean, the Rocket storyline is half the movie. So uh, un- un- unfortunately, because it is half the movie and it's, it's not it's obviously not told in a linear way. It's kind of done in the kind of arrow way where it's done in, in flashbacks mm-hmm. and half, uh, half of the flashbacks work really well but half of them were very kind of abrupt and random and just felt out of place and uh that that i think that's a big issue with the movie because i i don't think the first two guardians really had any kind of pacing or not pacing but really had any kind of like editing issues or anything like that they were all i think one and two were kind of perfectly structured yeah yeah this wasn't this wasn't the perfectly structured movie because it's it's trying to do so much and uh, every, I mean, this isn't a bad thing, but every character in a movie has a story arc. But it, it's it's it, it feels a little weird, like when you give characters like Kraglin and Cosmo a story arc, because they only basically have like two scenes in the movie, like at the beginning and the end. So I don't know. It it, it just the the structure of it felt off to me. It, it didn't. It didn't feel like as per as you know perfectly well put together as as the first as the first two movies. But but again, I think that the the ambition of this movie and the darkness and the seriousness of it, um, for me, kind of just oh, it it it, it outweighed that stuff. It outweighed the the negative. But I mean, I, I I'm curious how on multiple uh, on multiple viewings I'll I'll feel about the structure of the movie because it 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 is. I think it's very obvious. It's very, it's very in your face, especially compared again compared to the last two. Mm. And I think I heard uh, critics have been talking about maybe not the editing process, but how, the, how it feels uneven or it feels they keep on bringing up like a, a tonal shift 
and maybe they're talking about the comedy and the darkness and that how that kind of almost clashes together. But maybe they're talking. Maybe really they're talking about some of the editing editing choices that that James uh, Gunn uh, seems to cho- choose here. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's tough when you're dealing with an origin story within a kind of a continuing story. It's tough how to. <laughs> From the negative reviews that I've seen for the movie, to me, it kind of seems like um, I was reading it that I was reading it kind of like uh, people were really just turned off about the animal cruelty in the movie. Maybe, yeah, the darkness. Because most of the most of the animal cruelty stuff, like, um, it's it's interesting. It's interesting because it is kind of like watership down because like the, the the animals, they're very kind of like cute. Mm-hmm. And like they're they're even kind of voiced in a very kind of like a like they feel like characters from a children's show, mm-hmm. but then like in in the very next scene you'll 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 see them being tortured and like being you know uh, toyed with uh, it, and um, I I think that that stuff was I, when I read about critics complaining about the tonal shifts that's I think that's what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. But for me, th- that was the best stuff in the movie. Let me ask you this: Do you think critics nowadays? And when I'm talking about critics, I'm talking about these guys on YouTube and, you know, the, the, the people who kind of, uh, you know, are in, with, are, are in the, within the kind of s- superhero space. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're too soft? Like, yes, yes. But I also, <laughs> uh, but I also look to be fair. I also think a lot of critics, they're, they're not necessarily reviewing it necessarily for them. They're kind of reviewing it know. for no, because I've I've seen people point this out in in their reviews. Because uh-huh. um, the Marvel movies are family movies. Mm-hmm. These are Disney movies, and this one, while I think it's totally a PG thirteen movie, it's mm-hmm. not like R material or anything. It is kind of material that is like I don't know if this is like appropriate for a Disney audience, right? And I think for some critics, they do, they do watch this and they're like I I. Because I've seen a lot of a lot of critics say like, "Is this a movie that you know I would show to my child, or is this a movie I would recommend people to show?" And I think, um, I think a lot of what you're talking about is, is because of that. They're they're viewing this because if, if this stuff happened in an R-rated movie, I don't think they would be saying that stuff. You you know what I mean? It's well, because I, mean, it's a, it's, I, I think, I think I, it's because it's a Disney movie. I heard some of the same kind of critiques for say Shazam: Fury of the Gods. I think some some say that you know it borderlines on on too cute but i think some people were saying that uh, some of the scenes were also too gruesome and and yeah and i'm like i was shocked that too i was shocked that too but i'm i guess what was gruesome i guess the monsters the monster scene you know or the the unicorn or whatever but i i I don't know i thought that was (laughs) i don't know that's what i'm saying maybe these 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 critics are a little too soft or a little too sensitive when it comes to this stuff i don't know i I, when i think of my my the movies that i grew up on and we kind of we make fun of this because i i was a big fan of dr detroit and that's a movie with (laughs) dan Aykroyd where he becomes a pimp and it's only when uh 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 it's only when raymond told me hey that's not a kid's movie yeah, I don't, wait. I used to watch that over and over, over and again when I was eight years old, and that really kind of putting it together that oh yeah, he, he's a pimp in the whole movie. Dr. The reason Doctor Detroit is a great character was because he's a he's a pimp. He's a super pimp. Yeah. Uh, and I, I guess I never really thought thought that was inappropriate or something. So when I say like like you know maybe these critics are just you know 
or too a little too soft. I think they 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 kind of dis dis uh, you know I don't know they 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 don't take in the the idea that the children can like hold these bigger story you know concepts these graphic concepts. They're not little you know wallflowers. Not all of them. Um, let's talk about another movie that you recently saw that's now. Out, that's out now. It's uh, no. Th- actually, let's talk more about Guardians Volume Three. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we gotta move on. We gotta talk about Adam Warlock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scream Six came out on Paramount Plus, and Raymond, you saw Scream Six months ago when it hit theaters. Me and Rich saw Scream Six for the first time on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rich, let me get your thoughts on Scream Six. Let's talk about this movie. <laughs> Well, let's see uh, the Scream Five. Let's talk about that real quick. I okay. mean, uh, um, I I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was a little too wacky at the end. I mean, uh, um, obviously, if you saw it, it was just you know, the the um, I didn't like the, con- the the connection to the killer or whatever, or whatever the uh, um, you know the, the Skeet Ulrich character, right? Right. Uh, Billy, that's, that Billy, was the most ridiculous uh, of the ridiculous. Billy I mean, Loomis or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Billy Loomis. Yeah, they're. The recreation of him for the series, uh, I really wish they would have knocked that off. Um, but of <laughs> they course, they doubled down for uh, Scream Six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, given all that goofiness uh, from the first one, it carried on to this one. But I thought the the uh, the gags himself or whatever, you know, the kills and stuff like that. I thought it actually worked better, or, or if not, just the same. I mean, it was just a good continuation of it. So um, I was impressed by it. I mean. Um, I guess I guess you could say I like it a little bit better because uh, it wasn't as much Billy Loomis uh, <laughs> in it. That's all. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, um, I was shocked how well it was put together, especially knowing that it literally was made within a year of the last movie. Right. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like because they didn't know that the the new you know that Scream Five or whatever they call it now, Scream Reimagining, whatever it was. That that was going to be a huge hit. I mean, it ended up being like a surprise horror hit and kind of right away greenlit this movie and they've got maybe, I mean, who maybe they had some um, ideas, but I mean, they pretty much kind of wrote this really on the fly and were able to like squeak a pretty decent horror movie, I think. Look, I'm not a big Scream franchise guy, you know. Uh, like, I don't think I even saw the fourth one <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I don't Certainly not the, uh, the, the Kirby character. I, I don't remember her at all. So I probably yeah. didn't see her I, movie. I really like the fourth one for some reason. It's the most kind of comedic of, uh, of all the screen movies. I would say. Is that the one with and Emma Robinson? Roberts? Yeah. Emma Roberts. Roberts. Emma Roberts. Yeah. yeah. Emma Roberts. And I think it was, a uh, or was it Rory Culkin? Probably. One of the Culkins. Probably. One of the Culkins. Yeah, I don't think I, I, I saw I mean, that. I've, I've, always, I've always liked four. I mean, four was actually the the first screen movie that I saw in theaters. And but it, I, remind me because I think you said that you really enjoyed this movie a lot. Oh yeah, I I enjoyed the hell out of six. Um, I I didn't love five as much as a lot of people, but I I thought it was good. I thought it was good enough. Yeah, it was fine. And I, um, I thought so too. But uh, I, I really liked this one because it felt so wildly different than all of the Scream movies that had come before. And uh, I, a big part of that I, for me was the direction they really kind of go with uh, Melissa Barrera's character and how she's like, she's like, 
basically like a serial killer deep down inside and how she's like dealing well, with she's, this. She's haunted by the, the, the ghost of literally, literally the ghost of a Billy Loomis. <laughs> yeah. The father she never met. Right. And the father yeah. she never really wanted or really knew. And so, you know, it's, 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 but, a, the, but the, I, I kind but of the like way that, that idea, they expand, the way they expand on it was really nice for me. Like just the open, the opening scene with her, like, uh, in, in therapy and mm. the therapist, it's like, yeah, get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> I got to call the cops now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I loved all that. And then when, when, uh, I mean, I, I liked how vicious they made her. Yeah. It's much, I, I think it's a much interesting, much more interesting character than Sydney. I'm sorry. So, oh, interesting. Interesting. Because I, I think nothing against nothing against um, uh, Nev Campbell. Uh, nothing against Nev Campbell. I think she's great in, as the character, and I I I do like Cindy Prescott. But I mean, they kind of just repeated the same thing over and over right, again. Right. And I, unfortunately, I think like the Wes Craven movies. After a while, they started to feel like a soap opera, especially the the Gale and um the Gale and Dewey stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I especially like Scream Three, like. Scream Three ends with like Gail and Dewey like getting married and all that. It feels like a soap opera. Yeah. It's really corny. <laughs> and um, and I, I, that's one thing I also liked about Five because I really liked how they handled Dewey and Gail way more in, in Five. I liked how these new writers are handling these characters, uh, the legacy characters. Actually, I think mm. I think uh, I don't know. I, I want to blame. I was gonna blame Wes Craven, but maybe the the person, the culprit is um. Kevin Williamson, because he's the, uh, he's the, what, Seventh Heaven or not Seventh Heaven? Uh, um, d- d- Dawson's, Dawson's Creek. Creek. Dawson's Creek Grant. Dawson's Creek. And and I feel like the Dale and, and Dewey stuff really got very Dawson's Creaky after a well, while. And it was, it was kind of mirrored in real life. the real life, yeah, uh, romance yeah. between the two, right? So, uh, they yeah, got that's married. why it was better in five because you mirrored the divorce. <laughs> uh, are you surprised that a lot of, fans or oh, i wouldn't say fans like like i guess older fans maybe uh who kind of really hated backlash? yeah they hated this movie yeah the backlash no no because um look i'm I, i'm i'm a fanboy i'm a fanboy <laughs> i remember i remember oh, what this it is one like of your favorite uh, franchise horror franchise just like <laughs> evil dead right no not necessarily but um no but i will say this is a scream either scream or scream 2 is one of the first horror movies i ever saw mm-hmm. But um, the, what I'm trying to say is, like, I, I know when you're a fan of something and you have a connection to something, right? you kind of make excuses for it. Because I remember this because I did it when I was a little kid. I don't do that anymore because I'm an adult. But I remember, you know, making excuses for stuff when you're little because you, you love these characters, you love these shows, these movies or whatever. And I notice a lot of these older fans that have these kind of connections to characters and stuff. It's the same thing, right? You know what I mean. They can, they it's they're not looking at they're looking at it in a very kind of close minded way. Mm-hmm. They're not looking they're not looking at the bigger picture of the franchise, and they just kind of want everything to be the same. And I understand it. I'm just I, I it's a it's a I would say it's a little bit like kind of like the Star Wars reaction to to what happened with that you know the new trilogy. It's, it seems like they they have this really kind of uh, emotional attachment to the legacy characters, and if you did it, you know, didn't do exactly what they had, they, what they pictured in their mind, because I, I I'm assuming a lot of these fans who hated this particular movie, probably even hated the the, the last movie too, yeah, had a kind of particular 
idea of where these characters were going to be at this moment in their life. And it didn't line up. And so I, I, I was shocked at how much this movie got shitted on from those people. Because well, also there's be- a lot of there's also a lot of fans that that just outright refuse to support the movie because of uh, Nev, oh, Nev Campbell uh, Campbell's thing. comments right. about um you know they they I guess they originally wanted her to return to the movie but uh, they but were she, she lowballing has, her for, right for a cameo or whatever and it, and I agree I mean she you gotta pay what she's worth but I don't think she had there was any room for that character to be in this in this at least this this version of the movie. Yeah, and also if the rumors are true that she was only going to come back for one scene, yeah, I also don't think you should pay someone, you know, their their full <laughs> their their full salary for you know one scene. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm call, she she was like probably negotiating, probably wanted a bigger part too. I mean, I don't know. Who yeah, knows? I think that's I think that's what was happening. Yeah, uh, we like, don't know. We weren't we weren't there. <laughs> You know, look, look. This movie is not perfect. It's, it's. It, there's a lot no. of flaws to it. There is a kind of a generic. But, but wouldn't part. you also say that a lot of the flaws with the movie are just kind of like they're they're kind of like organic to the Scream franchise. Like, <laughs> like you, those flaws they they go with a Scream movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think the franchise. I think, is, I think the flaws are kind of the ending. Yeah, I think the, the franchise the, itself is it's very flawed. I think if you, if, uh, I think really if you really think about it the original film is probably the best thing you know the best the original the original you know, it's very original it's the best film out of the bunch and the Absolutely. rest of those those movies are kind of bad or not i wouldn't say bad but they're just like that is great and i think well, they're, no. they're they're leaning on that the 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 uh, the um the legacy of each the first from the brother for the first time so every time they got to link it and he if the ghost face was his own killer or whatever, right. and didn't have no linkage to Haddonfield or whatever it is. Um, the the um, town, the town, the town or whatever in uh, w- w- Woodsboro. <laughs> and and this one is, this one's in New York, but he still had that link because he was a, a super fan or whatever. So it's, it's just, um, I guess, it's, 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 is it really necessary? I mean, to have a uh, ghost face be a uh, well, ghost face. It certainly seems like Ghost, Ghostface's, well, in this movie, really seems like it, it took on a new level. Like, it became a monster figure or, or you know, you know, like, I think, I mean, and which is, which is fine. I think that's, that's perfectly acceptable uh, at this point. You know, like, I have problems with the third act of this movie. You know, I, I thought it was a little lame and a little stupid, but I think I, I Look, it's such a low bar for me that I think I had, yeah. I went with it. It, it. it was fine with me. I, I didn't, you know, I mean, I really saw like people really bashing it and really kind of saying that it, it's a disgrace. And I, and a lot of it is because they have this kind of attachment to not just the movie itself, but also with Wes Craven as a filmmaker. And I, I know, think Wes Craven would love these two movies. I think so too. I think he would uh, love to produce these movies. I think he would be perfect. Yeah. And also, Wes Craven had a lot of stinkers under his belt too. I mean, <laughs> yes. he wasn't yeah. a perfect filmmaker too. I think there. Uh, and I don't know. I, I don't know. And I, I, I think it, I think Melissa Barrera, who is the you know the main star who plays Sam, I think she gets she gets unfairly treated untreated by these people who hated the movie. I think they really. They, I think they hate her character a lot, and maybe wow. because they see her as a replacement to to the Nev Campbell character. But I thought she was I thought she was really good in the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought Jenna Ortega was really good. I yes, their kind of relationship about like 
sibling rivalry or like a you know independence it was a little half baked but it's fine <laughs> it's fine mm-hmm. i think what was what's great about the movie it's the kind of the staging the kills are very entertaining and that's that's what you need for like kind of a slasher film um i i should, i will bring since you brought up the sisters i'd say i i like the whole new cast i mean i thought the um yeah the core four um, yeah i thought they were all good <laughs> Yeah. I really liked uh, Mason Mason Gooding because I was surprised because I didn't like him in the last movie. I, did, I I thought he was just kind of like generic in uh, Scream Five, but I guess in Scream Five he really didn't have much to do. <laughs> he was but, he, and, well, he was pretty then much then a douche. Movie, he was a douchebag in in the Scream Five, right? So here he's more of the protector. He takes up the role as the protector, and he was actually pretty pretty decent. Now he's Rich. You were telling me that he is the son of uh, Cuba, right? Cuba Gooding. Oh, Rich is gone. I was coughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. A, he's the son of Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and I'm I'm shocked because he in this movie, particularly in this movie, more so than the last movie, you saw a little bit of his father's charisma because like Cuba got like tons of charisma, and mm-hmm. you see a little bit that that was passed on to to Mason here, and so I think he was actually really really good. You know, like I said, it's not it's not it's not. A perfect it's not a perfect film but it's it was fine it was fine <laughs> i had a good time watching it. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it i would give it like that's maybe, all you need from these movies oh yeah yeah it's funny because we uh, right after we watched this movie we went me and rich saw on peacock right the new kevin williamson film sick well kind of new <laughs> it came out during the oh, pandemic yeah. right yeah I like sick. you yeah. saw sick too right yeah last year Yes. So this is the kind of the, the pandemic thriller, horror thriller, it's a slasher film. It's like a t- typical mm-hmm. slasher film. And I think those people who didn't like the Scream movie, I think they would like Sick because it's much more in the traditional of the slasher, slasher film. And I was actually very shocked at how well it's done. It's a I'm very, very shocked of- about that house. That <laughs> house was nice. <laughs> so this is a, a, the story about uh, two uh, college students who during, it's set during the quarantine, the lockdown. Very much, very much t- talking about the co- uh, COVID. COVID plays a very important part in the movie, and so they're, they're, they they decide to uh, lock down for a week at this uh, ranch, I guess. And it looks like a, the set straight from the set of Yellowstone or something. It's a big ass ranch. Uh, one of the the college students, uh, a fam- it's a family ranch. So they're going to just lock down for for a week, and so they're by themselves and what we learned during the process of the movie is that actually there's a killer on the loose, a slasher on the loose who are, who are killing these kids. And the, at first I thought when I saw the trailer, I thought it was, this was going to be a home invasion thriller, but it's really just a kind of a old school classic uh, slasher film. And I thought that was pretty decent enough. I mean, look, it's a, a movie that's a, a peacock original. So I wasn't expecting much, but I was. They real, they could have put it in theaters, honestly. Yeah, especially well, nowadays. Yeah, I think it would have been a, a a big hit. But I think if you're looking for that old school Kevin Williamson <laughs> slasher film, <laughs> Sick would be the the be the one. And what's so also so great about the movie, or at least what I really liked about the movie, it was that it was directed by a guy named John Hams or John Hames. I am. Hyams, and so he is the son of Peter Hyams, who's you know kind of legendary genre action film director who directed the cinematographer too, uh, also a cinematographer. But he uh, he directed uh, the John Claude Van Damme movies, Time Cop, Cop, and uh, Son and Death. 
So John, his son, John Hyams, uh, directed, uh, took over kind of the mantle of that. And so he's an action, he's like a B-level or a B-movie level uh, action director. And I, what I really enjoyed and which wished was a little bit more on the Scream films or the, the new Scream films was that kind of action-based, you know, uh, sequences, you know, because like when the slasher is slashing, you know, he has a knife in this one, like a mm-hmm. typical slasher. There, there's a real struggle <laughs> when when they're he's killing people like there, and it it feels like more like an action movie or or where you don't get that in, in like say the new Scream movies. It's just like slasher guy sh- just shoves a knife in uh, someone's heart and that's it. Where here it's like they're struggling, and that's what I really, really, really enjoyed about Sick. But yeah. uh, R- Rich, what was your thoughts on on Sick? Uh, did you like it as much as I did? Yeah, and I liked how he lit it up. I mean, uh, he was always the the killer always stayed in the shadows, and you could you could see his form in the background mm-hmm. all the time popping up. Um, um, and I liked how he just moved around. Um, it, it was just it was pretty inventive. I mean, it, it was like a it's certainly a dark movie, and but it's a pandemic movie, so it's mm-hmm. a, it, it, and it's a cabin in the woods type film. So and it's also yeah. just only like three people. <clears throat> You know, like a real small cast. Yeah. And the fact that they were able to hold my attention was just like a couple of people on the screen. I thought it was you know, very, very done well. I don't know. Ray- Raymond, did you like it as much as we did? Yeah, I, I was really surprised by it because um, I, I, I think I, like when I went into the movie, I was hearing like some negative reviews. So I was I went in with low expectations and I was ve- very surprised by how much I ended up liking it. And I think I think now it's actually getting pretty good reviews yeah it's getting a cult but, it's um, getting a cult following I, I, I that's what the reason why I, I i wanted to check it out because i heard good things on it online mm-hmm. uh, but i disagree with you when you say that uh this is um a more of that kind of old school um scream mm-hmm. because i don't i don't agree with that because i think the old school scream it has to have that um old school scream has to have that uh that soap opera aspect to it <laughs> well maybe because i should say Maybe the I should Dawson say Creek <laughs> maybe I should say like an old school slap, like a '90s slasher film, like that, like, like okay. just a mysterious character in the background with a knife, and he's just hunting down people. I think we, you kind of get an idea of what the who's this, you know, these the who's the slasher is, but like all slasher films. But I, I, I was. You guys ever see that um, uh, Mike Flanagan uh, slasher film Hush? No, yeah. no, the Netflix one, right? No, no, yeah. I think that's a that's a good comparison. Okay, mm. okay. Is that the one where like the the woman's deaf or something like that? Yes. Yeah. It's 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 a deaf woman and she's in her home and she's just being like attacked by some 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 guy with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's in, a, in her home. It's it's funny because like these ideas. And they're both like eighty minutes. <laughs> yeah, and then this is the yeah this, this is a really quick movie too. I, I think there's something to uh something to that simplicity that kind of works for a slasher film. Uh, yeah, so definitely highly recommend Sick. Uh, and I had fun with uh, Scream 6, too. So mm-hmm. uh, should we talk about Champions? Sure. All right, let's talk about Champions. This is a, a basketball comedy that stars uh, Woody Harrelson. He's a college coach. But I, from the looks of the trailer, I thought he was going to be a, a head coach. But he's a, an assistant coach. Right, and he kind of uh, he the problem with him is that he's not able to re- connect on a relationship level with his players. So he has this, you know, he has the potential to be a really great head coach, but uh, 
he has this flaw. And also he gets fired because he has also, I don't know, t- anger issues. Yeah. Short tempered. Uh, <clears throat> and so he gets, uh, he gets drunk and, uh, he hits a cop car drunk driving. And as mm-hmm. a part of his punishment, he gets, uh, I guess, uh, what's it called? Uh, community service. He has to right. coach a, uh, a team of, uh, Young people with uh, with uh, mental disabled Learning disabilities, special needs kids, or and actually not kids, they're kind of uh, adults. Adults, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the basis of the comedy. It came out like what March earlier earlier this year. Didn't do well, uh, but it's now available on Peacock, and maybe let's go and find a new home there. I mean, or find a market or find an audience there. Um, because it's and not did that you, bad. Did you mention, did you mention it was uh, from one of the Fairley brothers? Yeah, well, d- d- tell us, Rich. Yeah, it's uh, it's directed by one of the Fairley brothers, the one who doesn't have an Oscar. Um, <laughs> and um, Bobby. Is it Bobby? Okay. Yeah. Bobby Fairley. And um, uh, I, I I thought it was pretty decent. It was, I thought it was pretty, um, uh, um, it had the comedy elements into it and uh, had enough comedy into it that it was just it, it, it was just okay to me it was just it just felt like a good you know it was nothing you know over the top comedy i knew i wasn't like getting ready to you know shits and giggles all over myself but um <laughs> but i just thought it was just you know uh, a light full comedy to me i mean and you know just like it, uh, it's a, to me it feels like a throwback to some of that early fairly brothers comedies like the ringer Right, some or is it called the Ringer? Like the Ringer mixed with a Fever Pitch. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but I would say it's it doesn't accomplish as as because I really love the Ringer. Although people, I think that got bad reviews when they came out. I'm a big fan of the Ringer. I'm apologist, a Ringer apologist. I don't and think I also, ever saw the Ringer. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I saw it on cable a long time ago. Mm. And also, yeah, yeah, Fever Pitch. Uh, people love Fever Pitch, and um, yeah. So this is like a like right below that. I mean, I think it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a I don't think it deserved a lot of shit. I mean, I think this movie got shitted on by critics. I think it's right. fine. It, it, was a, it was it's a soft entry into that to that kind of you know feel good sports comedy. And I think Woody Harrelson's at the top of his game. He's very good, you know. But unlike uh, unlike those other cl- uh, classic Fairly Brothers films. It it didn't it never reached the the uh the gross the the gross out you know comedy scene. It wasn't that, trying to though. Yeah, that but that's the ones that <laughs> that's those are the scenes that I I crave for. jokes. Yeah, I need something for that from when I'm when I'm playing a, a Fairly Brothers movie or a Fairly movie. I want well, that, I, guess, I want those. I, I need guess, those. I guess Peter Peter is the one who brings that to, that, that to the to the to the party. Uh, Raymond, let, let me get your thoughts on Champions. Uh, I. I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I it was pretty much exactly what I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like you, I I really <laughs> I really like the Ringer. Um, but I I think this is I think this is actually a little better, but also obviously um, safer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, much safer, uh, much more um, by the numbers. Because uh, I mean, this this is kind of a movie we've seen before. I mean, we've seen movies about you know a, a coach. Yeah. Yeah, that you know, loses his job or whatever, then has to you know, it's usually like uh, they'll have to some kind uh, of court court appointed kind of thing. Yeah, so like 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 the super, <laughs> <Joe Pesci. laughs> 
Wait, what? There's a it was a classic '90s comedy, The Super, where Joe Pesci is a uh, uh, what do they call it? A landlord, like a deadbeat landlord, yeah, slumlord, Slum, slumlord, yeah, slumlord. This is like a hard. This is out out of print movie that no one could yeah. get no more. Yeah, I've never heard to, of this. It used to play like in cable all the time. We fucking love yeah. this movie. Yeah. So uh, Joe Pesci, this is like right after. I don't know. This has to be right after my cousin Vinny, right? Or was yeah. it before? This is when I he was doing that. a lot of com- '90s comedies, mm-hmm. and so he's a super. And he, <laughs> He's a like a uh, he, he's he's a slumlord who owns a a, a rundown uh, apartment building, right? And the 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 uh, and the apartment building goes to court or whatever. The tenants go. Um, he, he's caught. End up getting a court case, right. yeah. And, and, and he gets uh, a, and they the court appointed and, him to go live in the the apartment building and, to fix it up for his uh, yeah, for his tenants. And, and, it's brilliant. Uh, it's a like, brilliant brilliant movie. It's yeah. this is a great comparison because it's very similar. Where it's a shit, you know, like this is kind of like down on his luck you know asshole type character who kind of feel you know he learns about you know real people and in this mm-hmm. case it's 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 you know kids with or these uh disability players and you know learns how to kind of become or learns to open up again and you know if you could find a super <laughs> look for the super it's a good yeah. it's a good movie but yeah that's why that's what it, this movie really reminds me of like kind of those throwbacks of the those kind of filled good uh 90s comedies it just feels like an old-fashioned uh comedy mm-hmm. and the fairly brother i mean we i guess we talked a little bit about it earlier but i mean the fairly brothers have always tried to make movies like this and even in their raunchy films they always had a sentimental element that you'd see in these type of films I think that's actually one of the things that makes their movies kind of special. Because yeah, they they get the laughs. They'll go they'll go the extra mile, you know, to to shock you. <laughs> but they 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 always had, uh, you know, the movies always had the heart in the right place. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, you know, they they still have a lot of the kind of story beats that you'd see in these kind of almost melodramatic films in a way. Yeah, 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 kind of like melodramatic films. But they're not af- they're not afraid to to get a little dirty with it. This doesn't get dirty though. Yeah, this is. This I mean, there's, there might be one or two jokes like uh, about threesomes or whatever, but <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, not really. You know, it's 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 pretty safe. It's really safe. But I didn't I didn't mind that because this is this this is totally like a family movie. And yeah, it's that's a, fine. It's you one know? of those. I mean, Bobby Fairley's old. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those harmless kind of comedies that doesn't really. Um, it's not out, out to like offend anybody. This is like a really like a, a true feel good comedy. But this is this is really like a movie that you could put on and watch with the whole family. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, and I, mean? I think like what, if, I if think you have everyone coming over for the holidays, you could put this on and everyone will be happy. And I think Woody Harrelson, you know, you forget how good he is at the, <clears> these type of parts. And I think I think the only problem I really have. <laughs> Kingpin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's reteaming, uh, his big reteaming with the Fairly since Kingpin. Yeah, but he's also really great at playing these down on their luck characters. He's kind of like a Nick Nolte in uh, Beverly Hills, <laughs> in and or what's it called, in and down out and in Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills, down and out, or down and out in Beverly Hills. You know, it's like that type of you know, lovable losers type of characters, mm-hmm. and he's so great at that. My problem was like, he feels a little too old for the part. Like he is, you know, he's playing someone who's probably a little bit younger than he is. He's probably playing someone in his forty, late forties or fifties, and I think he's like in his early sixties. 
But I, I don't know who I would cast instead of him. You know, like there's nobody who could like play this part really good. I mean, Tim, Timothy Chalamet would not be able to play this part or, or how, Austin how, Butler. How, how old was Woody Harrelson's character supposed to be? I would say like in his probably early 50s or something. I, I mean, because I, the, the love interest in the movie is uh, the girl from... Um, Caitlin oh, Olsen. Mm-hmm. Caitlin Olsen. She's from uh, um, Always Sunny. Sunny. And she's awesome. She's a, she's a great yeah. comedian, and uh, I think she says that she's in her forties. And so I'm, I was mm-hmm. I was assuming that the the his character is playing maybe a fifty year old guy, and he could pull well, it if off. You're in your, and you, if you're in your sixties, do, do do they do they make you retire from being the coach? No, no, no. I mean, no, maybe no, no. maybe he's playing a sixty year old dude, but I, I I just I just I think it would have worked a little bit better if it was like someone who was a little bit younger. I, I, I mean, that's a, that's a small I, I think nitpick. You're, nit, you're nitpicking. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, he's obviously younger than Ernie Hudson. So that's, that's, I mean, mm-hmm. so. Oh, well, I guess you're right. Well, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Like I said, this is not, it's, it's, it's a harmless comedy. I don't have much bad things to say about it. It just feels, it just feels a little dated at this point, but uh, that's why I say if we maybe get a younger actor, I mean, when I say younger, someone in their forties. Owen maybe, Wilson. I don't know. I, maybe I, I was thinking. Timothy Chalamet. I was thinking like Luke Wilson, maybe. I don't know. That maybe that will bring something new to the this type of genre film. But um, well, we're getting. Uh, it's not about you know uh, uh, people with mental disabilities, but we have that movie that uh, Taika Waititi Michael Fassbender movie coming yeah. out. Yeah, there which you I go. think looks very good. Uh, hopefully, a, a, a return for Taika, a return to form for Taika. But mm-hmm. that's also, you know, about like a, a disgraced coach, right. you know, not not you know, training uh, m- mentally disabled people, but you know, training uh, a, a, a team of um, losers. Know, like, yeah, uh, losers. It's it's like a it's, it's Taika's cool runnings. It's cool runnings. It's bad news bears. This is like a tie. Or no, I wouldn't say tired, but this is like a. a you know, an archetypal genre trope that that works. It works very but let, well. But let's talk about this really quick because we haven't seen Next Gold Win. That's the Taika Waititi movie. Next Gold Wins. We haven't seen that movie yet. Mm-hmm. But even though we haven't seen it, I'm, I'm pretty. We're pretty sure. I think it's going to be a pretty good movie. Probably better than so. Champions. I hope so. But, uh, but the thing is, Champions intentionally didn't go that route. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Champions intentionally went a kind of more safe family-friendly route. They wanted to be that movie that you could put on with the whole family. I think they almost even wanted to be a movie that could be played in, like, um, in, like, group homes and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, where, maybe. Where, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and I think it, it, it's perfect for that. You know, I think, I think the movie is exactly what Bobby wanted it to be. Pro- yes, probably, yeah. And, in, and I think it's, uh, Next Goal Wins is it's the more academy you know, the more prestigious version of something like this. And I think next goal wins is probably going to be better, but they each serve their purpose. But it's funny that Michael Fassbender is taking on that part. And here, you know, there's a guy who's younger and he could may, maybe he could have maybe bring something new to, if let's say he was cast in this movie, he, he looks unrecognizable in that movie <laughs> in the trailer. Yeah, I know. Uh, he's got blonde hair and stuff like that, but I mean, yeah. maybe he could have brought something different. I mean, he's rare. He, he's a. I think he's an unappreciated comic actor. I think he was very good in that. Um, oh, what's the one with the mach- you know the big ass head uh, movie? Um, Frank. Yeah. Frank. Frank yeah. I thought that was a. F- that's a pretty dark comedy, and I think I thought he was very good in it. 
So I think he has that kind of sensibility, and I think he, you know, if you you cast him in, in Champions, automatically it, it turns into a different movie. That's what I'm saying about you know Woody Harrelson, and but then again, I mean, I'm, I, I I I didn't. It's not like I didn't love his his performance in the movie. I think he was perfect. He's great. Yeah. So it's just a. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, look, I recommend it. it. It's available on Pe- Peacock. Champions is available on Peacock right now, and it's you know, watch it, watch it. It's a it's a fun little little uh, sports comedy. Would you say so, Rich? Absolutely, yeah. It it's not as good as um you know um as Adam Sandler's last eight, uh, basketball film. Uh, Hustle. It's not trying to be though. (laughs) But it's I'm just far as far as basketball goes. But it's yeah, it's just yeah, like you said, it's like in the vein of cool runnings and kind kind of thing. So yeah, you know, it's just a fine, decent, you know, comedy. Okay. Um. (laughs) Really quick, let's talk about Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Me, (laughs) me, and Richie got a chance to watch this. This is available on VOD. It's going to be coming out on Disney Plus later this month. Uh, you know, like I had a very low bar on this movie because everyone shitted on this movie for for mm-hmm. good reason. It's a, it's not it's not a good movie. Uh, but I I don't think I hated it hated it as much as I, I think I was going to. But it's not and it's not a good movie. And I think R- Raymond, you were right. I don't think I don't think uh, um uh what's his name Jonathan Majors is good in this movie. Mm-hmm. No, especially like the the credit scenes. <laughs> well, you bring up this because when you're we you, you know you offered your opinion on the movie when it came when when the movie came out, you saw this in theaters and you hated the movie, and you brought up Jonathan Majors as a someone who you know you, we all we look we all lo- love Jonathan Majors' performances, but his prior performances. But I think they're, and, they're, and we liked him in, and we liked him in Creed. Yeah, he was good in Creed too. And he, we didn't I, love the movie, but he was the best part about the movie. But in this one, it seems like he's like going through the motions as as uh, Kang, and uh, mm-hmm. and I think Marvel has a problem. Not just you know take away the uh, the controversy that he's he's going through right now, but I think he, they have a problem with of, of this character. I think this character just doesn't work at all as a, as the major major villain. Uh, Rich, what was your thoughts on on? Uh, Quantumania, because you had to watch it twice because you fell asleep through it. <laughs> I fell asleep through it. Yeah, I did. And I, 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 when I say f- twice, you just saw the, the 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 parts that you fell asleep through. Yeah. <laughs> and then by the end of it, I go, "Oh my god! I wish I wish Victoria Alonso was still uh, working there just so I could fire her again." <laughs> Wait, you don't myself. have the power to fire her, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, this is this was just so bad. I mean. This guy, this Jeff Loveness, the 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 writer from the Jimmy Kimmel Live, um, Rick and Morty, Jimmy Kimmel Live, such a disgrace. <laughs> this 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 movie was. How could this be greenlit? I mean, after uh, reading that script, it's just so bad. But I feel so bad for uh, Paul Rudd, who I know, this, man. This, this is the third chapter of his Ant Man series, and, it, and the first one was so good. Yeah. The second one got worse. This one was just a, just a big shit. I mean, this is just, a, this is just and with CGI. Oh my god, it was just a, it was horrible. And um, I, I think that the biggest person that um just got the biggest slap in the face was uh, actually um, 
Um, uh, Corey Stahl. Corey Stahl. <laughs> this, and they kept him a good secret. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is some guy who needs something for his career. This is not it. <laughs> this is this is horrible. I mean, it's well, just. What's your thoughts on Jonathan Majors? Do you have problems like I did with with the character? With his performance? I know he's better. I know he's better than this. But it shit, looks like man. he's walking, like he's going through the motions with this one, right? Oh yeah. Or, I, I mean, and maybe maybe it's something. Maybe it's you know we're not seeing it. Maybe it's because the movie seems like it was rewritten five times. It seems like certain scenes were like put in the last minute, and like maybe he was had an idea of of a performance, and then somehow he had to change it during the course of the film. But it really felt, I wouldn't be surprised, but it felt a little fractured and it feels like almost like an out of body experience because it didn't feel like he was even there. Like it just seems like, oh, I need to be pissed off in this scene. So I'm pissed off and, and then I have to be it, kind it of. It feels, well I, well, I remember specifically when I watched the, the movie, I, I felt like, because I haven't rewatched the movie since theaters. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I don't think I'm ever going to rewatch the movie again. <laughs> but um, I remember specifically feeling that. It felt like he was doing, he was playing multiple different characters. And, and I guess we, we could talk about spoilers. They do do this whole reveal that, you know, he's been kind of putting up an act or whatever. Mm-hmm. But even, even, you know, with that whole plot point, it still felt like he was like four different versions of this character all at once. Like, I think it, like for me, it would have even made more sense if it turned out that there were just multiple canes in the movie. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, none of them felt like, it never felt like one performance or one character. Yeah, and it's so it's so strange when like when you see him like turn evil. I mean, I guess he's always been evil in the throughout the whole movie, but like the mm-hmm. point where he's like, I'm now the ruler of this quantum media. Mm-hmm. And he puts like this kind of weird accent and like, oh wait, was he always talking like that? <laughs> like like it, mm-hmm. and it's like like it's and it's like a, a regal accent, like like he's like uh I don't know what I don't know what really what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. I I I just really thought some strange acting choices here, but I mean I think he's maybe the least problematic of the film. I mean the I think I, the whole movie really you know I I I give him I give Jonathan Major some shit about feeling like it's going through the motions, but really the whole movie feels like it's going through the motions. I mean it's such a weird weird movie. It feels a lot like my my my, pro- so, my problems with the with the Marvel TV shows, but also the movie is so pointless. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. Nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens in the whole movie. You're supposed to fear Kang. Am I? <laughs> yeah. And by that 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 whatever that end sequence whatever what the it's called end credit sequence that end credits oh my god I felt like. The orgy of canes. Yeah. Oh my god. I go. Oh my. This is supposed to be frightening and shit. This is. This is like. And, can, and then cancel and, and King then, now, mm-hmm. man. It's, it's just fire his ass and then fucking. Uh, yeah. Get rid of the character. Man, kill this. Kill. Kill this character. I mean, this. This. Uh, um, they killed him. Just. Yeah. They, their yeah. credit scenes are retcons. You know, yeah. They never happened. Well, the problem is they also set up. Oh, the, they. Loki. Loki, Loki, yeah, Loki, yeah, yeah new, And when I saw that very end sequence where it's basically a sneak peek to Loki's new season, I'm like, oh shit! I didn't realize he's going to be in Loki season two. Yeah, and I go, oh, that's the problem. That's why they are kind of stalling this kind of decision of what to do with Jonathan Majors because he is 
you know, because you can't really, I mean, unless they totally fire him and then replace him with a new character, then what do you, what do, you do with low-key season two? Do you reshoot all that stuff? Well, yeah. you rewrite it saying that it was a prequel to the Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the screenwriter, Jeff Loveness. Because when very talented, <laughs> like like Rich was saying, he 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 started his career on uh, Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel Live. He was a, a comic writer, and uh, he did a couple bits. I remember seeing him and doing some because like when Kimmel would do like a Star Wars bit or skit, <laughs> he would always be in the dressed up as a as a Star a Wars geek. Yeah, yeah. Um. It's it's very shocking because right before this movie came out, they announced that he was going to write the new you know uh, Avengers movie. So they kind of liked his writing, but once the critics attacked this movie for good reason, mm-hmm. he kind of took the brunt of that attack. And I, I, unfortunately, it's I think it, it, well, also I, I don't know. I I don't want to like blame everything on him. I think he's a little bit of a scapegoat. Because I think it's, it's, this movie is just a, a culmination of everything that's wrong with what's what's going on with Marvel now. Yeah, that's true. Because if no, they- but I, but also like all of these same flaws were in, uh, well, maybe not all of these same flaws, but a lot of these same problems were in um, Doctor Strange too, and like Thor: Love and Thunder, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Which you know, Jeff Loveness didn't have no. I mean, he didn't. He only wrote this movie. Yeah. So I mean I don't know, and it's, it's funny that he comes. He's also comes from the Rick and Marty um, stable, and Prestige. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just, it's such a weird thing. Um, why these are why these writers getting picked? Uh, you know I don't know. It's such a weird thing. It's just, it's just a bad movie. <laughs> I, I I guess to, for me the like the worst part was the the Modark the Modok. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just such a because it I one thing once it got leaked that Modoc was going to appear in the movie I th- really thought it was going to be a, like a cameo sequence but he's in there for quite a bit and I'm like oh and he and also they really put, hit him from the marketing <laughs> and they really I mean also he plays kind of a you know semi important part in the in the you know the third act I guess and it does it just doesn't work and I go whose fucking idea was to do this to not only Corey Stahl, but to bring Modoc into this universe. And like in this, this whole this, movie was just a kid's movie. This was, this was only this, this, the only people who would have liked this one movie is like really children, children, like young, That's young it. children. Yeah. Yeah. And, and children this, who I have mean, no knowledge of what movies are. Yeah. And, uh, but also, like, uh, this, like, yeah. was I having like a fever dream like while watching this movie, or is there like a point when Modok says, "I have no dick"? <laughs> like, did I did that happen in the movie, or am I like, remem- no, like says, remembering he, things? He says, uh, "I'm not a dick. I'm not a dick." Oh, oh, I thought I Ooh. thought he he. He was angry because he, he his dick was so small. <laughs> like, because his body is so small and his head is so huge, and I thought maybe his dick was so tiny he couldn't see it. That would be a lot funnier in the movie. <laughs> no, it, it, that was a callback to a scene where uh, uh, "Don't be a dick, don't be a dick." Where where uh, Ant Man's daughter, um, <clears throat> what's her name? I, I don't know her name. Um, 
Cassie. 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 They say her name like a million times. Yeah, 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 Cassie. So she she bumps into Modoc and she, and obviously they have a relationship because they she <laughs> Corey Stahl as the uh, yellow jacket broke into her mm-hmm. bedroom in the first movie, and then they have a little conversation and and she goes she I, I forgot what he said but she goes just don't be a dick and so that was the callback when he goes. Um, I'm not a dick. That's his hero turn. I don't know. And that was just a big disappointment. <laughs> that was a huge, huge fucking like. Oh my! I, I literally go, oh my god! I can't believe that it just happened. Like the whole mm-hmm. this whole Modoc thing was just the just the worst. Just the worst. Uh, I know, and you know who who got lucky was um, or maybe they didn't get lucky, but I remember the the screenwriters of uh. You know the, the the Avengers movies and the Captain America movies. The the guys that oh, wrote Civil War, right, Winter right, Soldier. Right, right. Uh, they originally wrote a sequel to Captain America: Winter Soldier that Kevin Feige threw out in the trash can uh, because because uh, DC was making Batman vs Superman, and um, they were they were originally supposed to do a Captain America sequel that featured Moda as mm. the main villain. Oh, that was that was the that was what the. Um, the uh the the Captain America they love Modoc. That's what they were they really wanted to put Modoc on, on the big screen. That's that was their goal and they, they unfortunately didn't get to accomplish it. But they wanted to make um Toby Jones character Modoc. Mm. Oh, and that and they kind of set that up in uh Winter Soldier. He he was like a, in the computer or whatever. He was like mm. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they were planning to originally like turn him into Modoc, I think in Captain America three but then when Kevin Feige found out that uh, the DC that they were making Batman for Superman, he threw aw- he threw away the the Captain America screenwriter's screenplay. He threw it in the trash can, and he was like, "No, you guys are making Captain America Civil War because we need to compete with DC." Mm. So yeah, but I maybe mean, but maybe we got lucky because Civil War ended up being a good movie. It what? ended up all kind of basically leading up to End Game and all that stuff. And the way they ended up handling Mondok was an embarrassment. Well, so, it, it's it's funny because it's like, almost. I mean, it's 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 hard to believe it's even worse than the Kevin Feige um, <laughs> creation from She Hulk. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> I, actually, that's a much better uh, depiction of Modoc than this <laughs> Modoc. But I mean, uh, the Russell Brothers was re- was recently on the podcast uh, Smartless, mm-hmm. and they were promoting their new series, uh, The Citadel. And they 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 mentioned a uh, about civil or about yeah civil war, and it was uh, they came up with the idea of that that um, they wanted Tony Stark to be the villain of that movie, mm-hmm. and he they pitched it to uh, uh, Kevin Feige, and he goes, okay, all right, I I'll sign it off. Okay, I, I, Iron Man could be in this civil war, mm. and they go, okay, that's great, and then they and then they said to uh, Russo brothers, now you just gotta get Tony's or you gotta get uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s okay. Mm. So they had to repitch it to uh, to Robert Downey Jr. and and basically that was a risk because you know you know he's a big star, he's Iron Man. Mm. They're really kind Thank of you. no, but they were saying like he you know he they, he might have been overly protective about the character. He like he's the he's the villain of that movie. So mm. you know they're they had to really come up with a plan to like convince him of of like. Like this is our our plan. This is our vision. So, um, mm. 
And then they, you know, they agreed and Tony Stark agreed, or not Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. agreed to do it. And, and, and you know, it became one of the better MCU movies of all time. But, uh, you know, it's, it's weird. I mean, who's, who's willing to do that nowadays? What director, I mean, are the new directors in, who's doing these Marvel movies, are they willing to really kind of like go up to Kevin Feige and say, hey, I got an idea. Here's my pitch. And, you know, let me make these swings. And I don't think people are doing that there. I mean, it looks like Marvel is picking these writers they're picking these kind of directors who are willing just to do whatever they say. And, uh, I think that's, that's just, that's, you need people, you need like talented people with visions to push like, against the kind of, uh, plan the original plan of what Marvel was doing. What? Jessica Gow. <laughs> She's the one who, <laughs> who pushed Kevin fight. Yeah. Well, for, for, uh, uh, Chloe Zhao. <laughs> Jessica, no, Jessica Gowda. Oh, oh, well, she Hawk. Oh, she Hawk. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, talented genius right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all right. Well, um, the, you know, those are, those are our thoughts of Quantumania. Uh, obviously, it's a piece of shit movie, and everyone should just avoid. And it's, it's funny because I think you can avoid the movie. I mean, there's no really, like, like Raymond was saying, there's no reason to watch it. There's really no reason to <laughs> this movie to exist. I mean, and, it, and it's just it's, it's supposed to introduce Kang, but or whatever. But it doesn't really because the that Kang there's, there's like twenty million other Kangs. So mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, it's such a horrible, horrible film. <laughs> I mean, but it, 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 like it, I said, it makes that, you go. It makes you appreciate, um, like, um, something that got shit on that didn't deserve it, um, like John Carter and Mars. Mm. Which which is you know out of work uh, uh, you know created a different different world that was weird, mm-hmm. um, but the movie itself was still tangible to be very you know entertaining and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This is you're, you're creating a world that you, you can't get you, you just want to lush. Well, I mean, I think the problem with with John Carter was it's so it's such an old fashioned uh, approach of of doing this kind of science fiction fantasy film that I don't think people were accepting at the time. I mean, it really felt like an Indiana Jones type or like a, like it was very retro. And, Mm -hmm. um, like I had a fun time watching John Carpenter and I think unfortunately, I mean, I'm sorry, John Carter (laughs) and, and, and Taylor, Oh, what's his last name? Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch was very good. You know, I think he has, maybe he lacks a little bit of panache, but I mean, he is much better than say Sam War- War- Worthington in in the Avatar mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think Tyler Kitch is actually a pretty decent actor. I like the girl, the the, the female lead. I forgot her name, but she, I thought mm-hmm. she was very good in the movie and John Carter. But I mean, I remember rewatching that movie just like a couple years ago, and I go, oh, I I kind of get it. It's just such an old fashioned throwback, and I think people I think people at the time were wanting different and wanting new. I don't know. They want a different, a different feeling from the, that kind of science fiction fantasy stuff. And it just well, f- I'm here personally uh, bringing in a, a different perspective. I I just always kind of thought the movie was kind of boring. <laughs> John Carter from Mars. I never I never really liked it. I I don't think it's like you know as bad as Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I guess Ant Man and the Wasp was not boring. It was just stupider and stupider. Yeah, it was stupider yeah. as go. Yeah, and also like um, I we well we really didn't talk any like anything about 
Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, but what, what do you guys think about Bill Murray? Because like, to <laughs> me, it felt like he was like obviously reading cue cards. It seems like um, that, that his, um, the controversy surrounding him mm-hmm. um, made, him kind of made them like edit him as much as possible. Or right. something like that in his I mean, literally, he literally has just one scene. Yeah. And uh, um, I, I don't know if he was meant for a couple more scenes. And, I uh, think there, I think he was. Um, yeah, I think the controversy, the thing is Michael Douglas had a controversy surrounding him. Um, Bill Murray. I mean, that's he, the, he's horrible in the movie. Yeah. Michael Douglas, he's barely, you know, and another one, maybe his, his scene got cut too. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, Michael Douglas was turned into comedy relief, comedic relief in the movie. Yeah, there's a whole thing where he brings, he, brings the ants. <laughs> I go, oh no, no but there's gonna... also a thing where like he he has to he has to drive the ships, but mm. oh yes. he has to drive his ships totally by sticking that. his yes. hand. Yeah, he like sticks his hand into like these like Ooh. buttholes or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's weird. And then like everything Michael Douglas did in the Michael Douglas is essentially like the the Paul Rudd role this time. Let me ask you this, because the initial, I remember the initial reactions of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, everyone brought up the fact that this reminds them of Star Wars. Oh, fuck you. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying, right? I go, oh, maybe because of the- Disney Star Wars. The intergalactical stuff, but uh, now watching the movie, I go, what was these motherfuckers thinking? Oh, I mean, how Phantom can- Menace. I I, I, maybe hmm. but i mean this is i mean it, it makes, makes me think that maybe these people don't really understand what the the star wars franchise is about because this has really nothing to do with uh, you know there's no kind of resemblance well, when, you mean, when you say star wars you, I, I automatically meant uh visualized my trilogy and that's it right right, so right, I, right i have right. to remember that there was two other shits <laughs> but i don't think you think that it, this kind of resembles Though, you know, the Phantom Menace uh, uh, trilogy or even the new one. I mean, I just, I don't, I, I think they just see colorful alien characters and they just kind of come up with a word, Star Wars, Star Wars. But that was like a common theme that came up uh, during the very first reviews. And I go, now watching it, I go, I think, I think something, something's off about these critics. They, I, I, I can't how, I don't even know how they would think that this is somehow related. Only because. It felt to, it felt to me more like. Um, live action Rick and Morty minus the comedy. Yeah. I mean, I get, that's a lot, a lot of people mentioned that too after the movie came out and getting a lot of these bad reviews. It's just, it's, 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 it's sad. It's actually very sad. <laughs> um, yeah. And it, it kind of shows that maybe the magic with Ant-Man was always in Edgar Wright. Maybe. Because he did a lot of work, mm-hmm. a lot of pre-work, you know, and, and, and you know, because like the whole, original movie, the whole, the, the whole, the special thing about Ant-Man is that his ability to become very small into a, and make the kind of our real world into a, you know, the real world into a weird world, you know, it's an incredible shrinking man kind of a concept, you know, a, a, a normal spider can become this monster. And, and then the, 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 sec, the sequel kind of became more obsessed with jokes about yeah. making like Pez dispensers huge. And, yeah. And it, I mean, and it becomes less and less about that kind of horror aspect yeah. and becomes this kind of goofy thing. And, uh, you know, at and this then point, this one went way, way <laughs> overboard. Uh, anyway, 
Well, let's uh, let's end this episode with a couple uh, recommendations. Uh, telev- television recommendation. Uh, we, me and Rich saw the the, the first season because they just announced that they're going to do a second season of The Diplomat. The Diplomat is a new uh, Netflix series that stars Carrie Russell, and mm-hmm. she is a U.S. ambassador uh, to to the United Kingdom, and she has to deal with kind of a a, a, a PR crisis. Not a PR crisis, a real crisis, a foreign crisis. Uh, there's a kind of a, a terrorist attack on a UK naval boat that that threatens the UK and also America into maybe a war with Iran, and she has to navigate that and maybe tempered some of the flares and, and try to get, get she, she gets involved and, 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 and she tries to find out who is the real terrorist and she's the diplomat. And this is from the, like the writer of the West wing and the homeland. And it feels a, a bit of both. It feels like these are long kind of dialogue, dialogue sequences, a lot of walking, talking st- type of stuff. There's, because of the terrorist attack, it feels like some of that homeland stuff. So there's a conspiracy theory around that. I thought it was very good. I, I mean, I'm not a big Carrie, Carrie Russell fan. Uh, I, I'm just not very familiar with her work. I mean, I've I, I, I certainly seen her grow up. I mean, I was a big mm-hmm. fan of Felicity many years ago. I saw her in that. That was like, what, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And so now she's much older. And, you know, I, I didn't see the Americans where I guess she got a lot of uh, critical praise for her work there. But I, with this this part, I was really shocked at how good of an actress she is. She is up there. I mean, I think she's really good, and she has a great chemistry with her her husband, who is played by um, Rufus Ru- Sewell. Rufus Sewell, who's great, and you know, I think what's what's so great about the show is that kind of their dynamics, their their kind of husband and wife team. That's and they're kind of on the verge of getting a divorce, and but they're also codependent it's a kind of an interesting uh dynamic there uh rich you saw the diplomat what's your thoughts yeah i was impressed by the 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 entire cast the principal cast i mean the 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 acting and what that was involved with it, it was it's pretty a lot of dialogue like you said a like, lot of dialogue uh, yeah. yeah i mean uh rory kinnear who's uh the prime minister of um england i'm uh Who's best known probably for uh, for uh, the Daniel Craig's James Bond as um um I forget he was like a he's one of those guys <laughs> yeah. he was M's peon whatever right. secretary whatever um uh but yeah um he did a great job as the as a prime minister I really I really saw the power in him or whatever mm-hmm. and he, he, um and um but Michael Rufus McKeon Hewell. oh yeah but my, yeah, Michael Ruf- Michael McKeon who's you know the president he's yeah. he plays the president and he's i guess right now he's best known for breaking bad and and uh and better call, uh, Saul. Better call Saul. yeah better call Saul. so I, I he's he's also good and they're kind of playing uh, both of them are kind of playing like i well at least michael mckeon's playing like a a, a a biden type he's an old guy but also mm-hmm. and people are afraid that he's going to say something that he shouldn't mm-hmm. yet he's but yet he is also a professional uh politician Mm-hmm. So I think his the way he plays is pretty decent, and Rory Kinnear is playing a, a prime minister who's you know not getting good ratings. People don't necessarily like him, but because of this terrorist attack, people are rallying rallying against uh, around him and like supporting him. And he finds it like maybe if he pushed this 
a little more to war, that he's going to get high ratings and stuff. I like all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, go ahead. You, you really love Rufus, Rufus yeah, Sewell? Rufus, Rufus uh, Sewell, who's, who's the former ambassador who, whose wife, Carrie Russell, is now taking over the, mm-hmm. as, a, as an ambassador of England or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I liked how his situation, he's, he's taking a step back role, playing the, you know, the, the loyal husband kind of role. And uh, there's, you know, there, you know, obviously there's, there's drama behind it. I mean, there's, and, and, and the uh, power and, struggle too. Right. It would kind of it, remind me of like Bill Clinton and, and, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. But right. I mean, without the kind of the cheating around stuff, because Rufus Sewell's character is very devoted to his wife, maybe too much mm-hmm. so. But I think that, that that kind of power dynamic about how uh, a, a wife taking over the husband's kind of role mm-hmm. and then the husband has to sit back. I think all that's fucking interesting. Yeah. And uh, Carrie Russell in the film, I mean, in the, in the series is, is so good. And I did not have like a really strong pref- uh, opinion on her. I mean, not that I have a bad opinion on her, but she, I think she was excellent. I mean, I, there's something about her. I mean, it, I would say it's, it's just as good performance as like, Kate Winslet, Winslet in in uh, East of um, East of Mer, uh, Maritown. Oh, Mary, uh, I wouldn't well, say Mary that. Easttown, right? Mary yeah. Easttown. I mean, there's like like there's a comfortability at, at this point in her life where it, it comes it, it it becomes almost like I, I don't know. There's like there's it's it's totally believable what she's saying. You know, when when she talks and because there's a lot of, like we were saying a lot of dialogue. Yeah. But yeah, but, the, the the series itself. It, I mean, it's it's just it's just um, uh, remarkable that it's on Netflix. <laughs> That's to me it's, uh, uh, that uh, Netflix would actually have something that um, is so well written and uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know it's it's not typical for Netflix to to, to like. Uh, it it well, yeah, it feels like an like an FX series and. Uh, and it comes, you know, it comes, it follows like kind of other kind of political thrillers that they're doing well in, in, in Netflix. You know, the, the, the recruit that we, we saw that we, mm-hmm. lo- we liked, we recommend that. And also the night agent, which is doing very well on Netflix. And this is another one that's doing well and just got greenlit. So yes, we recommend the, the diplomat. Yeah. I the re- only, the only, the only, the only negative I could say from the diplomat mm-hmm. is the opening scene, the actual opening scene where the bad CGI, special, the yeah. bad mm-hmm. CGI, the, the, the carrier being uh destroyed he was like whoa that is the uh, ai shit <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah it's it's a terrible shot <laughs> uh rich t- give us your opinion of the the citadel now this is the new action adventure spy thriller. Are you guys are watching this yeah was, they only released the first two episodes we got we watched both of them this is the new one from uh, russell brothers it stars priyanka chopra and richard madden is that what it is Mm-hmm. Who's from Game of Thrones and The Bodyguard, that great series there. Mm-hmm. And the, actually, Richard Madden was kind of rumored to, you know, be the next one in line for James Bond. And here's his kind of first. One of them, yeah. Yeah, he's the, here's his a kind of a testing ground of, of doing that because he plays a spy. It's I would say the series is a little bit of James Bond. It's a little bit of Mission Impossible. It's a little bit of... Uh, a lot the, of Born. Born Identity. <laughs> it's like every kind of trope there is. Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on the first two episodes that was just released this past weekend or this past week? Um, it's just okay to me. It seems, it seems like an ABC series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just something that, um, 
there's but the the action is there it's just it's just nothing we haven't seen i mean i mean it's nothing that nothing really new about it but um but uh but i, I like richard madden in it and um uh, uh, stanley tucci um of course um Priyanka's doing okay. Um, I, I actually, I, I, she's a lot more impressive than I thought. Um, I mean, we liked her in the in the White Tiger. Remember, she was really good in that. Sure. Oh shit, I forgot about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, she she's mostly now. I guess mostly known for now being the wife of Jonas, one of the Jonas Brothers. I I'm, I'm not which, sure. Were which they one. not married back then? When they made that movie, when she made that movie, oh, uh, the white white tiger, maybe yeah, I think she was married at the, uh, at that time, yeah. She just hasn't done anything since then. Well, I mean, she's really like maybe she's more famous. She's a TV actress, right? Yeah, she's a TV, she's more famous as a TV actress. Uh, she she did a couple of uh, TV shows, uh, the Quantico. I want to say that was a I big feel deal. Like she's been in some like high profile movie. Well, oh, she was a Matrix, like, the new <laughs> the new Matrix movie. There was there. I forgot there was even the new Matrix movie. That well, the one we saw, the one that came out in. Uh, I, I know. I think. I think. I you know just kind of <laughs> blocked it out of your memory. Purp- yeah, purposely. <laughs> she was. Uh, she played that Indian little little Indian girl who's now grown up. Oh, she was in uh, We Can Be Heroes. That's what it was. Oh, was she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we can be heroes and 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 Baywatch. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. There was a yeah. There was an attempt like a couple years ago to be a, a big Hollywood star, but it. She seems more perfect for for television, right? But uh, so you you're not a big fan of the movie or the fan of the series, Rich? Are you? I'll continue up for another up episode, maybe two, and then if it doesn't, uh, you know, grab me some more, I'm, I might drop it. Um, but yeah, they they are spending but, a lot on it. But it's you could see the budget, right? I mean, surprisingly, yeah. a lot of money went into this. There's, I mean, there's like, what's it called? The gray man type of scale. This is, uh, you know, produced by the Russo brothers. Mm-hmm. It's only six episodes. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a fan of the, uh, the, the first two, <laughs> the, the, uh, no, no, the, the, uh, the DP, the, the situation, the, uh, the look the, of the, the film, the, the look, the color series. Yeah. Yeah. The coloring. It's very, um, what was that musky kind of green kind of like, you know, like it looks like uh Ben Affleck's recent movie with Robert, uh, Robin, uh, Robert Rodriguez type, mm. like Den of Thieves type. Look, 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 look. I don't know. It was, I, I didn't, I didn't like the choice of that. Yeah. It's very kind of 2003. Little, <laughs> yeah. Like a it, knockoff Tony Scott. <laughs> but the, the theme is, it's a lot like a lot of these spy thrillers. I mean, there's, like I was saying, it's James, it's James Bond, definitely James Bond. There's definitely Mission mm-hmm. Impossible. It's definitely uh, uh, what was the Gina Davis one? Um, oh yeah, Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, Long Kiss Goodnight. Also, you know, Born Identity because both of these characters who are spies they lose <laughs> their memory, and now they have to reclaim their memory. And and you know, there's bad guys, and you know, it's all undercover, top secret shit. I don't know. It, it, it's I don't know, if, it's funny because if it would, it would have been, if it would be a little bit less serious, I think I, I would have a fun time watching it. But because it takes itself so seriously, I, I think it kind of uh, defeats the purpose. I should say, I should say that it's also written by the guy who did the Hunters, which is <laughs> which is oh, a, Al Pacino Nazi hunting uh, series, which is a terrible show. Uh, some so, people like it for some reason. Yeah, so I don't know why, but I mean, we saw the first couple of episodes. Actually, Raymond, you saw the whole first ep- first season. Just but, a hate watch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, 
so it, I guess it has that type of kind of like pop poppy or pulp fiction type of thing. You know, it kind of is too a little stylish for its for you know uh, too See, stylish. You know, we're we're kind of in the and everyone's been talking about this you know for for uh, it feels like almost like two decades now. But you know we're in this kind of whole era now where all the kind of like more serious stuff you're getting on television mm-hmm. and the kind of more kind of like pulpy stuff, you know, the more, um, you know, the, the, the grindhouse, the more genre stuff mm-hmm. we're getting on, on the, on the big screen. And yeah. I don't like how people are trying to bring that kind of genre or not the genre stuff, but like that, a lot of this, like kind of stuff that we see on, on the big screen. I don't like how people are trying to bring that to the small screen now. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there, there's some things that, um, I don't know. There, there, there are some TV shows where, like, like Hunters, for example. It's like, why is that a TV show? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, shouldn't that just like it's? A, it would be a horrible movie, but why is it a TV show? Shouldn't it just be a stupid movie? People watch it. It's like, oh my god, what garbage! And then everyone forgets about it. Why is it a TV show? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, uh, there was some, there's an eff- emphasis on multiple episodes. You know, like. It's the same thing where like documentaries are now becoming series, documentary series. That's true, yeah. And like, man, this would have been just a just a good doc, one two hour documentary. Why is this like ten parts? <laughs> each each part is like an hour and twenty minutes. Like, just com- you know, like make it a nice like two hour movie or two hour documentary. It would be perfectly fine. Uh, speaking of documentaries, Rich, you saw a, a, a Netflix documentary. What was it called? The 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 bombers. Oh, um, the Boston bombers, American Manhunt, the Boston Marathon bombing, which is about the the Boston Marathon bombers. It's yeah, it's three, ten, it's three ten, part tenth anniversary. Yeah, it's a three part uh, miniseries for Netflix. Yeah, um, I I I like I like the first two chapters. The third chapter was um, a little unnecessary. You know, uh, it, it was like a little too much. Um, um, kissing its own ass kind of a thing i mean it was like uh uh, just get to the you know the the story itself but the cops themselves made them look um they didn't really get into it because they show it they explain it that they 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 shot at the the but uh uh, at the boat at the end Mm -hmm. and there's bullets all over the house you know it, it 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 was totally unnecessary um, you mean the, 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 the police overdid it when they tried yeah. to cash, capture these guys? Yeah. It was just, it was, and they were, it was, it was, <laughs> it was obvious, it was obvious, uh, uh, unnecessary, uh, you know, shootings, um, basically they were, it's a, it's a like, miracle that no one got injured during the, the it, capture. It's like, you know, any, emptying a whole can of raid on one fly, you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like un, totally unnecessary. It's like, right. like that's what you got out of watching the, the documentary. <laughs> yeah, because I saw the, the, the Mark Wahlberg movie and I, I enjoyed that. The entertaining part, part of it. It was just, it was just a good entertainment. That's actually piece. a pretty cool movie. It's a, I mean, yeah. it's decent. It's, it's probably Peter Berg's one of his better films. Right. It's certainly one of his better films with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, they, they did go into this piece. I, I like the, uh, the white house, the, the the first part white the investigation part of it I like the you know mm-hmm. the them um, oh white the, white hat and black hat type of uh, yeah trying to check them out track them down right yeah would you recommend it I mean there's there's three episodes right right 
Um, if you're interested, um, in the, certainly in if the Boston you don't, yeah, certainly if you weren't born at that time or you're, you're not aware of the story, maybe that's you will have a much better time. Uh, but I, I it was just okay to it was just okay to me. I mean, it was. Just, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, but if you have seen the Mark Wahlberg film, you, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. It's 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 just um, for that. I mean. <laughs> that movie made you more proud of Boston. This one um, uh, is um, Boston lame. <laughs> you know, that because movie the was cops, Boston strong. Saying, because the cops are, or because of... Yeah, because you could tell, I mean, they, they, it was just... Running on impulse. The guy was only a block away, hiding in a, in a, in a goddamn boat. He was only uh, literally two blocks away. Mm-hmm. What kind of manhunt is that? I mean... Oh, <laughs> I mean... I see. I mean <laughs> They got shut got down fifty thousand cops. Got sh- shoot, they got they shut, got shut down, down five streets. <laughs> I mean, could you not? I mean, do a total you know, comb the desert kind of investigation <laughs> in at least the two blocks from the scene. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just you know it was just too. Is you saying that it's not one of their greatest moments? It was <laughs> Keystone Cops. Okay. Cops kissing their own asses. I mean, it was just. Uh, that was, Interesting. Okay. And also yeah. the feds. We should also mention the feds. Yes, were in of course. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to, let's quickly end this episode. Uh, we've been watching the final season of Barry. It's fucking fantastic. Yes. Everyone watch it. You got some really great de- uh, cameos from people you wouldn't really <laughs> would, would think that would appear in the show. I would say directors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fanta- you know, d- real life directors who appear in the show as characters. Uh, and it's, it's funny. I would say the first two episodes of the last season of Barry, I, I thought, oh, they're going to they're gonna make this a little more darker, less funny. But these last two, because there's only been four episodes yet, uh, and Bill Hader dr- directs the entire last season. Oh, he does? Yeah. And so the last two episodes I thought was fantastic, like really fantastic, like some of the best stuff in Barry. So yeah, catch up with Barry. Barry's fucking great. It's a good show. I, I I really love it. It's good. Um, that's it for this episode of Inside Flicks. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll talk about more stuff, more stuff we watch. And yeah, that's it. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta cut this. This is too long. This is too long. All right. Bye bye, everyone.